Hello, you're listening to the Hammersley Brothers e-commerce podcast. If some of our discussions and tips are working for you, why don't you grab a 15-minute call with us at ecommercecall.com. We'll see whether we can help scale your e-commerce business. We will quickly see if we're a fit or whether we can recommend someone else to get you where you need to go. The worst case is you'll have a fun 15-minute chat and regardless, you'll come away understanding a lot more about your business. Book a call at ecommercecall.com. Hello and welcome to the Hammersley Brothers e-commerce podcast. This week, we're going to be looking at all the types of e-commerce costs you have involved in running an e-commerce business. We're going to have a look at which ones are important and which ones we might be able to move around to better areas. So let's get started. Hello, Ian. How are you? Hello, Mark. I'm all right. You've had How a very busy day. I know. Yeah. I haven't been flat out. Not stopped. Well, I had to charge my AirPods three times today. AirPod gosh. Pros. That's how much I've That's been it. speaking. That's just crazy. That's crazy. That is. Well, it's a problem. I'll take up the slack for you, hopefully. We'll see how we go. Um, the um, topic for today is we wanted to go, we talked about this on the Facebook group and we wanted to talk about the, um, basically where the, where the, where, where the costs in e-commerce are and where the kind of, the, the, the kind of the BS, basically the, the, the stuff that we all get sold as e-commerce owners that doesn't necessarily move the needle, the traps, the things we've seen where people spend money when they don't need to, um, and hopefully talk about things that, actually do move the needle and, and, and give people a yeah. guide. And I don't want this to be, I mean, we've been thinking about this for a week. I don't want this to be a negative podcast in in like a, just a, a big slagging match about everything. I want it to be actually useful for people to be thinking who are listening to this to say, oh, well, that is, uh, you know, that money could be moved to something else mm. or that, but that could be done to that. And that's what we should be doing. And yes, it has become, a habit of you know just kind of paying that paying that and not really thinking about it and you know what kind of you know what the other the other thing as, as well is that that it might be that what we're saying is relevant for you when you get to a certain size you know when you you know you know it might be that just now it's going to be a complete waste of time because you haven't done xyz first and you've got to do xyz first before you even should be thinking about doing that that other yeah. thing, that other shiny thing, and um, and I know, I think whenever we go into a, an e-commerce business with our you know, consultancy hat on, one of the biggest values I think that we often bring to the table is knowing the order to do things in. You yeah, know, so you've got a big roadmap and a massive list of of all the things that you know you want to do, and to be honest, most of them are right, but the the trick is knowing what order to do them in. And yeah. so something might be an absolute waste of time, complete, you know, bullshit thing to focus on in your, you know, in year two, but in year six, it might be really, really important. So that's the sort mm. of caveat in, like, I, I think, you know, like with all the things we're going to talk about, there's probably evidence, you know, at some point in, in a certain stage of e-commerce business where, you know what, that's justifiably, you know, okay. But yeah. most of the time, they are warning signs and can be a complete, a complete, an utter 
you know, shiny distraction. Yeah. It's the, it's what's a shiny distraction? What's a waste of time? Yeah, I, I and let, I was going to start it with um, something else, but I'm actually going to start it with, um, you know, take the take this store that that we're building, um, which the new e-commerce store that we've we've been building recently, the one we're using as a demo store for 20k core group. Yeah, and um, you know, it's doing what is it doing? It's doing about I don't know four thousand dollars a day now. So it's quite you know it's quite small revenue, but it, it's growing. Um, and like, it's a Shopify store and I have not added any extensions to that store. I have not really added, done any real emailing particularly. I mean, we have got a Clavio account, but it's not, not super, super optimized. It's like, I've got no frills on that site. It's basically a, a, a landing page and Google shopping campaign. And the Google shopping campaign is not using anything fancy. It's just using smart shopping campaign. And the reason for that is, is because I've got no business in using anything else apart from getting the fundamentals right. Because I know that all those shiny things in the world like personalization and extensions that do this and all that kind of stuff is only going to give me maximum five, 10, 20%. So, I need to make sure that the fundamentals in e-commerce are right. And I'm talking to the market in the right way about the right product. And that's what I'm getting right first. Mm. And so like, I mean, obviously I'm getting pitched now by things. I mean, the, I didn't tell you this, but the, the Google, um, Google's got a growth team called, I can't remember the accelerated growth team. And they pick out e-commerce sites that, they think they can grow really, really fast and they, they approach you. And they've, appro- they've approached us for the demo site and said they want to work with us. And it's kind of like, it's interesting because like, I'm not sure whether I, I'm going to, I'm going to talk to them and see what happens, but um, like that's, that's, that might be a shiny thing at the moment that, that it, it's might not necessarily be ready, ready for me. And it's kind of, you have all these distractions. We're not going to charge me any money, but of course, if they're if they're talking to me, they the, the reason they're doing it is because they they want us to start spending, you know, ten grand a day. Mm. That's where they want us to get to. So it's it's kind of understanding what you're what saying. To have. Is, well, I think what yeah. what you're saying is that that well, life generally, but particularly e-commerce. The e-commerce world is full of people trying to sell shiny distractions. And trying to sell you a you know a magic pill that's going to revolutionise yeah. your e-commerce growth, and or you know take this you know wave this magic wand and your conversion rate's going to double and you're going to scale effortlessly to a hundred million. Yeah. And it, obviously we know because we've been around the block for twenty years. Uh, that's not the case, and mm. I can honestly tell you, in twenty years, there's never been. Um, an example of an e-commerce business that we have ever worked with or ever scaled that has done it through plugging in some app magic wand type, you know, secret Mm. source personalization wizard thing that has ever ultimately been the reason why they've, they've scaled. It's always been because they got the fundamentals right. Yeah, and they've talked about the you know, the core offering, and I yeah. think that's that is you know generally if anybody comes along and says 
you know, this is going to revolutionize your conversion rate. This is the most incredible thing that's, you know, that you could plug into your store. You know, it, it, it's probably a lot of bollocks. Yeah. Um, so let's get into yeah. some of them. Let's get into Ooh. some of them. So the, there's one thing I mentioned was, was SEO, <laughs> SEO retainers. And, um, you know, I, I think 10 years ago I was doing SEO retainers and I stopped doing it because SEO became something that was very difficult to do. I mean, you could do it for one, two sites, but very difficult to do across lots of sites. And so now I only do SEO for my own businesses um, because that's all I've got, you know, all I've got the, the brain capacity to do. And I'm not saying... I'm not saying that there's no SEO agencies that are worth the salt. I'm sure there are some very, very yeah. good ones. Yeah. But um, often, you know, there's things, it's a bit like, you know, when they say about an engagement ring, oh, you should pay, you should spend your uh, twice your monthly salary or whatever it is, you know, just, it's obviously in a jeweler's created that at some point to say, you know, if you're earning a lot of money, you should buy an expensive ring. Thank you very much. And it, it's it's a bit like some people have gone into SEO and go, well, if you're spending this much on Google ads, you should spend this percentage on SEO. And it's like, should you? Mm. Should that's what you, you do? And, yeah. you know. Well, lots of, lots of businesses sort of, you know, e-commerce businesses, and they still do this, you know, today. It's kind of like a tick box. Oh, yeah, there's our SEO contract. Yeah, there's a... Because they feel like they should be doing it without actually understanding why or what they're actually getting. Yeah. And yeah. and often I'm, I mean I've, I've as I say there are some really really smart talented SEO you know business you know advisors out there and practitioners and and you know obviously if you can get free organic traffic fantastic that actually converts that's even better. But I remember I remember sitting with one. SEO agency years ago in the centre of London with fancy offices and the guy said to me you know, he was talking about his SEO business and, and he said to be honest the strategy here is that we try and keep the clients for as long as we possibly can until they realise we're not actually doing anything and then we then we try and justify what we're doing for another, and we get another couple of months out of them, and they eventually kick kick us into touch because they realise we're not actually doing. Anything. That's amazing, isn't it? It's amazing. Yeah, that, that, that is yeah. actually that for some of the long going SEO. That is the plan. Yeah, and that's that is. Uh, that, the I, the I, SEO and think, agencies sometimes yeah. spend too spend more time justifying their existence to you, yeah, than actually trying to you know actually grow your business or producing and, reports they give you loads and loads of reports and yeah, they kind well, of they, baffle you with yeah they do they baffle you, oh god i can't even do it and you know and they sort of and, they, and you know the reality is i mean we, we've seen this in the past like we've like going back 10 12 longer years ago you know we were we were getting clients and, and us we were like right we've got to get to page one for this term got to get to position one for this term mm. and you spend like two years killing yourself trying to get to position one for that term and you finally achieve it and you run oh my god we've cracked it we've got to position one for this it doesn't bloody convert you know it yeah. just bounced at like 95 percent, and yeah. it's a complete waste of time so you you've busted you got to try and get there and and and, and often you know you'll get seo agencies you know, driving traffic to your blog page that bounces at 95%. Like, what's the yeah. point? 
You know, it doesn't. You can't. Doesn't convert into a cell anyway because it's all, yeah. you know, way now, off. On the, on when the flip buying. side, on the flip side, we do find businesses that drive a lot of revenue from SEO and do very well with SEO. Yeah. But often, often that does not come from an SEO agency. That's come from an internal team that's very good at making the website do, yeah. do really well. So, so that comes on to what's our ultimate advice? So we're not saying get yeah. rid of your SEO agencies, but we're, we're saying that how do you best use... I think you if you're sitting there SEO talent? and you're paying for SEO monthly and you answer the question and we said to you, what are they doing? And your answer was, well, I don't really know. That's, that's a red flag because... Yeah. The, the, the best way to go about SEO in our experience is to get SEO teams to come on for a limited period of time, do an audit and say, this is what you want, this is what we should change, and then pay them to do that work as if it's a kind of one-off project. And that seems to be the best way to do it because then the set deliverables, the set things that are going to happen, and then you don't get into the situation where it's like the third month and then you think, well, what are they going to do now? Yeah, and they, they end up then scrambling around trying to justify, you know, the, the number of hours they got in the month yeah. that they're charging you for. So you tend to get the most. And, yeah, it does tend to be a technical SEO thing. There's, there's always structural changes that are important to do. Yeah. And have a and also about that. Also, SEO has changed so much. I mean, mm. you look at the demo, the demo store – and because it's a, it's a good store and it's got a good conversion rate and it's doing stuff, it's actually starting to rank for some quite good terms in the UK, um, naturally, just weirdly. And do you know how many backlinks the demo store's got? Zero. Absolute zero. It doesn't, no, there hasn't been one picked up backlink yet. Yeah. And so it's a lot more about whether your website is super useful and super... What you mean is you've got, you, you know, again, it's like there's no magic wand trickery with an SEO. You've got to, you've got to have, you've got to have something people actually want to buy. Yeah. You've got to, and you, you know, the website, you know, it's got the value proposition is going to be good. You know, you've yeah. got to have something to get. So it's, do all that right. Like we've not yeah. once considered SEO, have we? Never. For, no, for but I mean, we obviously store. built it. We also obviously built it with the Google Search Console. We made sure there was no errors, and we did all that kind of stuff right. And we did the content. You know, we, the, mm. it was built in a way that was was right. So we could have got an SEO team at the beginning to kind of make sure we were doing everything okay. And um, you know, we could Im- implement a, an SEO team to come and optimize the categories and optimize the, the things. But we wouldn't need them ongoing forever because we would be like, they'd be going, oh, I've got nothing to do this month. I don't know what mm. to do, you know, and, and I don't know whether it's going to move the needle. So I think SEO retainers can be a, a can be something that you can look at um, to decide. It shouldn't be one of those things that it's just like, oh, well, we spend 40,000 on uh, uh, Google Ads, so we spend 10% on SEO. It's just, it's that's, a, that's mm. nonsense. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay. The, the next thing that's a big bugbear for me um, is, is Google, ad, Google Ads AI tools. And there was a lot of Google Ads AI tools that kind of like promised that they can automate everything and it can be kind of done with AI and just plug it into the system and everything works. Big data. Big data. And you'll see a lot of these and it's probably going to piss people off who's listening to this, but... It, you'll see a lot of these at every show. I mean, there's a show at the NEC this week and you can see a lot of them there. And 
a lot of those tools um, came out of uh, Google, uh, SCS came out of Google Ads when um, when when Google was running standard shopping campaigns and there wasn't that, as much optimization and all that kind of stuff. But it, it's massively moved on, and the I am yet to see. I mean, I've got access to hundreds of Google Ads accounts, and I have I'm yet to see one. Google Ads account that is optimized well with an automated bidding tool. And in fact, the ones I've seen have been getting rid of them and moving over to um, Google's um, optimization AI tools because they are, they are much better. There are obviously, I mean, we use Google Ads to, as tools to, to help us manage accounts and do different things. And, um, you know, recently built and, you know, a script that does something quite clever. Um, but uh, be very wary of automation uh, in, inside Google Ads because it is a different landscape. And what's happened is you've got these people that have built up these businesses during different times, but they've got so much momentum and steam that it's very difficult for them to kind of admit probably that actually what they do is doesn't work. And they, they would completely argue against this, but uh, I'm just not seeing any, any evidence across any of my accounts. And, um, you know, uh, we, we manage around about a million dollars worth of spend. And then if you put on all the other accounts we get access to, you know, we, we get access to huge amounts of spend. And I, I can't see any evidence in any of those accounts for any of these things working. And I, I think I would, I would see that. You know, I, I'm probably in a very good position to find things that work and roll them out. And, and, I'm, and I'm not seeing it. So um, that makes me question the importance of, uh, of, of those kind of tools. So I think just be very careful with, with that. I mean, mm. have you got anything to add to that? I know you don't get too involved in Google Ads AI tools and stuff like that, but it's just another shiny yeah, no, thing. I, no, I, I think, it, yeah, I think it's just a shiny thing. And I think, um, you know, we all want to believe that there is the secret source. And I think, you know, these companies are very good at selling, selling the secret source, you know, yeah. and that feeling that, you know, they're going to, you know, they're going to do something that's going to outwit the competition. There's some special little, you know, you know, AI tool that they've got. And I, I think it is, just be very careful of it. Yeah. yeah. And then, so particularly with the advent of Shopify, it's become even more um, like this is that, extensions that pro promise conversion rate gains. And um, you, it, when you're on a Shopify store and you're small, sometimes it can be like death by a thousand cuts because you're going to be paying 30 bucks a month for this and 30 bucks a month for that and all this kind of stuff. And by the time you got them all put together, you know, it's quite a lot of money. And, um, you know, if you've got a conversion rate that's not anywhere near where it needs to be, the idea that you can plonk on an extension and it will fix everything is just nonsense. Mm. Um, you know, and of course you're going to go onto the site and say, Oh, encrypt double conversion rate and do this stuff, but it might have happened for somebody randomly that they've recorded. And of course they're going to pick the best, the best case study to put forward. And you'll see it. You'll see these Shopify stores sometimes when they're desperately trying to get the conversion rate up and they've seemed to have added every single extension you can possibly find. You know, the classic one who get the spinning wheel when you land on the, on the oh site. You've seen that. Oh, you know, and it's I like, know. cringe every time I sit. And then you'll get the, the thing at the bottom saying, Ian from Manchester just bought a pair of socks. 
and then you'll get the thing saying 47 people are looking at this product and you get all those little extensions and you think god did you just kind of just go the in thing the is, ad extension store and just add know, everything it, you know what and it, it's not just shopify this is this is something that's you know a curse in all e-commerce platforms you know yeah. and and it's really it's really any um any sort of third party widget type surface you know service that you can kind of plug in and the problem the problem i have with it like you say if you if you if you if your e-commerce store has got a terrible conversion rate and you know you can't throw you know crap at stuff to try to fix a fundamental problem and if you think about the three-legged stool that we talk about you know you've got to have these three things you've got to have convincibility desirability to buy the product from you in the first place mm. so you know that's the first thing so you, you people have got to want to buy from you yeah. and the second the second thing you've got to have is overwhelming evidence of trust and credibility like so you've got to, you've got to really show people you know there's loads of people like you that have bought and and don't take our word for it here's you know 10,000 you know of our customers that can back back us up yeah and oh and here's here's a load of you know fundamental you know credible piece people in their industry that you that you also trust and then the final one is the 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 reason to buy now and they're like they're the things that make a difference the fundamentals and if you haven't got those right you know there's yeah. no amount of personalization clever segmentation you know ai type module that you can put in it's not gonna make any difference no they're icing on the cake aren't they you've got to build you've got to build the, you've got to build the mountain first and yeah. the um you know for, for example like i was looking at a I mean, this is slightly different for an extension but i was looking at a um a google ads tool that i was going to plug into google ads to do some clever scripting to help me kind of move products around Google shopping campaigns be based on based on ROAS and I plugged it in and I said you know I you know, I'm spending a million um, a month what you want to what do you want to charge me and they came back and they wanted to charge me about 900 US dollars a month um ongoing and I looked at the tool and I kind of thought well I'm not going to use most of this I'm only going to use that particular module I wonder how much it would cost me to just go and get that written um a script written because you can have Google AdWords scripts and the, the script cost me 350 pounds and now it's running and it's a one-off cost. And, you know, I could have been sitting there spending 900 us dollars a month. And I, I've just done exactly the same thing by writing a script. So it's the same thing with, with yeah. extensions. Lots of, I think loads of extensions are like that. Like there's one little bit that maybe there's 10% of it that actually yeah. does do something and then it's you know and if you know you're what you're wasting you're wasting so much of your budget yeah doing other things well take take um what was that tool that 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 um the, the clothing company put on that was doing uh browser abandonment emails that was about you know thousand pound a month or something like that well you're talking about the was it the, the no. affiliate one basically browser abandonment emails so people would come to the website give us the email give the email address and then they would do abandon product page stuff uh, and then send emails and you know that that back in the back in the day when that that kind of came out they were charging like 1500 pounds for that and then More. 
more and, and more for that. And then now that's Super. pretty much standard in, in all the email, in all my things for like, for like 70, $70 a month or something like that. And the, it was the same with like companies like V Interactive. V Interactive came out and they, they basically built like a billion dollar company effectively from doing the first abandoned basket emails, which if you actually sat down and wrote it yourself, which we did because people said, oh, we don't want to do what V Interactive is. We're like, well, we'll just write that for you. We'll do it as a one-off. There's lots of examples of this in e-commerce where people are spending money on something that they think is super, super crazy and super clever, but actually it could be coded, hard coded as a one-off cost and done very easily. You know, like there's, you know, you might be paying 30 bucks a month for like a survey on your category page or something like that. It could be coded just once and you don't have to pay over and over and over again. So just because a company has got huge doesn't necessarily mean that you need it. And it's, um, it, 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 you know, because I think the interactive, I think, are they still going? They kind of I don't think, on. I'm not sure. I think they went, I don't know. Love yeah. to go and find out. But, I think, um, but yeah, I think launched. generally the, the, there's a yeah, there's a lot of hype around extensions and things that you can just plug in, and and they can be just massive shiny distractions that can not only be a distraction and mask things, but also cost you a lot of money. Yeah, same thing on the Facebook ad side. There's there's lots of um, you know sometimes I've been look doing some Facebook ads with somebody and it says, oh no, we're going to go and do it with these. Uh, automated Facebook ads people and they'll they'll just plug into your account and they do all your ads for you. It's all done automatically. And it's just like, I've never seen that work ever. Um, it, it, it just basically what they'll do is they'll do the simple stuff that you should be doing anyway. They'll go and do remarketing ads and they'll go and do um, standard carousel ads. And then for the percentage for like maybe 25% of customers, they'll work really, really well. And, those are the ones that will stay because I think, well, oh, we've got really good results from this. And it's because it's almost like a stupidity tax, isn't it? It's like charging people who don't know how easy things are and they'll go and do the same things. I've seen the same thing for Google Ads accounts. I've sometimes lost the Google Ads account to somebody and they've come in, switched everything over to smart bidding, switched uh, the the um, conversion tracking over to um, uh, website tracking, which obviously tracks more. And then switched uh, switched the uh, the the day the collection date from sixty days or thirty days to ninety days, and therefore the account looks like it's doing better, but it but it actually but it actually hasn't changed. So there's lots of these little tricks that people are going out there and just kind of doing basically very little work and 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 picking up money for it. And I think you've just got to be you've just got to be wary for it. Um, the other one that was a big one in Google Ads is. And I think that happens more in Australia and New Zealand. I think it's kind of less so, but it's when you when you would go to somebody, and I won't name names because I don't want to get sued, but like they'll they'll say, "Oh yes, we'll we'll do you Google Ads for you. It's five thousand dollars a month," and they will then um, they won't tell you how much is going on Google and how much is their fee, and so they'll run it for you in their own account. And when it comes through to Google Analytics, it'll all, all come up as not, not set. So you can't see the split. So they'll, they'll have software to kind of purposefully um, remove the, the data that's coming to Google. And, 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 and then what they do is obviously they, you know, depending on the results, they fine tune how much their fee is, which is actually against 
Google's terms and conditions, but it, it happens here a lot. And you know, you'll 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 hear people um, doing that, and you say, well, how much you spend on Google and how much you spend on them? They go, no, and then they'll try and say, well, can I have a look at the account? And then the the, the agency will say, well, no, you can't because it's our account because it's our credit card. We run it for you, and we just do everything. For, you know, and there's lots of shady practices like that where you think, well, that's just open to abuse. Um, you know, you want to make sure you're working with someone transparent. It's your Google Ads account that you can see and you can see the transactions and you're paying the invoices in the Google Ads accounts and you're paying them to manage it, not where it's their account and you don't own the account. I mean, that that is something that gets me. Yeah, <laughs> gets me really. Cross. Well, that's good advice. Yeah, you want to you certainly want to own the account because also if they if they own the account, it's very difficult for you to leave, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And I actually went public with that in in a in a in a magazine in New Zealand uh, in a in a kind of like uh, uh, public. It was one of those kind of trade magazines, and yeah. um, the people who were doing it they really didn't like it because it was their whole business model, and they um, they really they really tried to protect it, tried to attack me. And I was like, well, this is this is the way you should do it, you know. Um, anyway, mm. so um, the other one is 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 you know if you're thinking that. Thinking that doing a, doing a web design, a re web design or replatforming is going to fix everything. Um, well, that's a massive one. I think this is this mm. is, yeah, this is a um, this is a really careful consideration. So replatforming, you know, and, mm. and I, you hear you hear other people in our space asking what, what you do, what's your what's your tech stack, yeah. You know, What's your big, what's your tech stack? You know, what's your, what's your favorite software? And it's yeah. like, I, I, I don't, I think, I think those questions are quite dangerous because they are, they are alluding to the fact that technology can alone solve the problem. And, and that, you know, and if you're not succeeding, it's because your technology is wrong. You know, you're on mm. the wrong platform. And, you know, oh, if you move from Magento to Shopify or from Shopify to, shopware or whatever from whatever to whatever that it's going to magically make people buy and the two things can happen and you know more often than not <laughs> when people replatform it normally they they massively underestimate the amount of time it's going to take and it takes a lot longer than they think and they underestimate the you know the effort that's involved and you know what the worst thing is? They often bugger things up, yeah. and and they you know they lose SEO rankings, and if they're, if they're not careful, and also the conversion tends to drop. You yeah. know, it, I, I had I had two conversations this morning, both both e-commerce businesses doing four four and a half five million each, and they both said to me, "Oh, we replatformed, and when we replatformed, we had a conversion rate dip." And we lost load of organic traffic. And I'm like, well, hang on a minute, this is 2022. Like, yeah. you know, 10 years ago, ah, okay, I'd have gone, yeah, well, you know, maybe you should try better this time. But now I'm like, what the heck? Like, how? How is that possible that you didn't do 301 redirects properly? We yeah. didn't think. Anyway, it's just amazing that. that um, it still happens. It's still yeah. happening. And I think I think generally, I think sometimes if you're on a if you're on a platform, 
that you that is really difficult to update or it's costing you loads of money or it, you know there's some fundamental problem with scaling and or you haven't got the team to support it or you know then yeah then this you know you don't want the platform to hold you back you know the platform yeah. shouldn't stop you doing something but also you must never ever assume that a, a new platform is going to fundamentally change the buying motivation of your, of a potential customer because it just won't it's nothing to mm. do with the platform the platform might enable you to put the right messages on there you know the what the right returns policy you know making sure people are seeing you know the offer architecture make, making sure that uh, you know that this the stock messaging is clear and the reassurances are there and the trust symbols are there and everything's in the right place you know a platform might allow you to make that easier but but a platform alone isn't going to make a jot of difference unless yeah. you use it to power the right things. So it can be like it is. It can be the biggest shiny distraction out there. But the, I mean, we're not saying that a brand refresh isn't isn't a big thing. And I was thinking about no, you know, I never. Had... You said brand refresh. You said replatform. Yes, and exactly. Often, and I, but I'm trying, yeah, I'm trying to not make yeah, people think that's that. A, yeah. yeah, often a yeah a a, a, a wireframe design refresh is like the easiest, fastest, most profitable way to grow your e-commerce business. Yeah. Because you can take a look back and you can go, are we adding uh, trust and credibility on these pages? No, we're not. Are we reducing anxiety? No, we're not. Are we giving people a reason to move forwards? No, we're not. Yeah. And it's like, you know, is the product page a dead end page? Yes, it is. Like all the fundamental things you've got to get right. Well, think about, think about mom and dad's, bakery shops you know they, they would they would get a boost in revenue when they when they redid the shop up and they kind of got new fridges and they got new shelving and new signage and all that kind of stuff and it looked fresh and everything looked good um but they wouldn't get a revenue boost when they got a new till system you know because the till system yeah. just took the money i mean the way they the reason they would upgrade the till system is so that they could then integrate with the the bakery and they could understand what was happening in real time and what was running out and those kind of things and that helped them from a systems point of view but it certainly didn't help their conversion rate or their, um, you know, their, their average order value. Mm. But the branding did, you know, like making things look nicer and, and yeah. presenting things in a better way did. So it's a very similar, it's a very similar thing. You know, the technology behind it really is you something you'd update to help the business systems of how you work. And you don't want that to get in the way. And, and I think sometimes you see people on a lot of people who are on, on WooCommerce who are one-man bands, you know, they're spending 50% of the time just fighting that the upgrades of Word, WordPress and, and the, the extensions not working together and all that kind of stuff. And it's, it's, they, they've only got so much willpower and almost so much enthusiasm for the business. And if they're not technically minded, that can be very difficult for them to kind of have to, yeah. to, to carry. Um, yeah. But then at some point, you know, there might be the other way around and they might be, wanting to have the flexibility of work WooCommerce to actually really drive the business to do things in a certain way. Yeah. Um, so I, I think, I think generally, I think that's a, that's a really good point. And I think if, if you are going to replatform, just mm. really make sure that you're, you're using that repl the replatforming opportunity to, to, for the biggest, um, for the biggest benefit, which is actually how, how, how can we, fundamentally improve the motivation of a buyer and reducing reducing the risk 
Mm. It's like what you wouldn't do is just re-platform what you've currently got. Like you wouldn't just keep the same look and feel, you know, and just, you know, blindly copy it over. But on the same vein, you also, if you are going to do, um, you know, reskin and a new front end, you should also look very carefully at what you've currently got and how your shop is shot and make sure you're not you're not losing anything from the old mm. site that was really helping. And we've seen that loads of times. Yeah, like like they've yeah. you know, they've lost the USP bar or they've lost the the you know, the the returns policy has just vanished from the product page. Well, there's been you know, so many and, big cases in the news of things people messing up sites and spending millions on that. Martin Spencer's new site yeah. is a big one. You know, they they didn't know, you know, they they thought just because they're spending a lot of money that it was it gonna make day. a massive difference. Mm. We see it every day. Yeah. It's a very common yeah. Very common thing. Um, so, just if you're going to replatform, be prepared for it to take twice as long as you think. For it to to be a massive uh, drain of your of your resources of your your time, and be prepared that if you don't actually do the fundamentals right, it's not going to make any difference to your conversion rate. Mm. Mm. So you you know use it very carefully and make sure you know are we getting the most we possibly can out of the existing one but you know if you're on shopify like you probably want to be looking at doing a re a, you know a wireframing exercise or you know or if but you know if you're on an older bespoke platform you think oh god you know i, I it's so hard to keep this bloody thing going then that yeah. would be an interesting thing to you know you know you're probably going to have to move at some point Mm. So you might as well yeah. do it sooner rather than later. Yeah. Um, the other one, the other one is kind of agency hopping and asking agencies to forecast. So can you beat this forecast? Yeah. So basically, I mean, when I was doing the agency game, that kind of really strongly about probably about eight years ago, people would also would always kind of go, well, we've been talking to these agencies. They put this forecast together of what the sales they can they can achieve. Um, do you think you can get better results than this? And the temptation is just to go and take their forecast and just put it by 10% because you know that they've got no idea what sales they can generate. Nobody knows. Forecasts are, there's nothing, nothing ruins a forecast like being punched in the face by a customer. Um, that's a bit of a kind of an amalgamation of a few quotes, but it's like, I refuse to forecast now for, new um new if anyone's going live with google ads or, or anything like that I, I just refuse to forecast because you've got no idea what's going to happen how the market's going to react to it and all that kind of stuff and yet you know people want certainty and so they're asking the agents to do certainty and the agencies know that they, there is no certainty and therefore they, they they give you the certainty that you need to give them business and they'll know that either it'll work or it won't so um, that's the first thing is that you wish onto your agency things that they just can't provide. Mm. And it, it, it happens all the time. And then the second thing is, is that when, when sales dip or something goes wrong, um, agency hopping because it, you, know, you think, well, it must be the agency, it can't be us. And I'm not saying that it's wrong to change agencies if it's bad. Mm. And, it, and if you've never had a good run with that agency, then it's going to be very difficult for the agency to kind of say, well, 
you know, you can trust us because, you know, we've done well in the past. But the... I, th- I, think, I think there's two, I think there's two sides to that. To yeah. The agency hopping thing. And, you know, you want, you, you want your agency to, and you should encourage your agency to tell you the good and the ugly. And, yeah. you know, you don't want them to sugarcoat stuff. And you don't want them to feel that they can't bring to the table the bad stuff. Yeah. You, know, you want them to be able to feel confidently that, you, that, you know, you know what, you've got a really poor performing, you know, campaign here. The ROAS is terrible. You, know, you, you want them to say that. So that yeah. you, can all, you can all together do something about it. And, you know, but on the, so there's two things. Like, number one, you know, I, we've seen this loads of times that 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 some e-commerce businesses have, have, have blamed the agency, you know, and gone, you know, three, four, through three, four, five agencies over the you know the years, and you know, the, what's the consistency there? And it's you know, it's not working. They're not scaling, and the consistency the consistency there is probably you and your business, you know, that there's something fundamentally wrong. But and you want to just really question? Hang on a minute. You know, is there something wrong with our fundamental, you know, business proposition here? But also, you know, you want the so you want the agency. I mean, I, I've done that twice. I mean, I've had I've had a conversation recently with a massive, a massive e- e-commerce business, and I I looked at it and I said, right, your business, you, you know, your business model's flawed here. You know, you, your costs are too high, your lifetime customer value is too low, your average order value is too low, margins too low. You're not going to scale mm. unless you change these, and so I'm I'm going and I'm talking about fundamental you know business um, structure here, and they're like, right, thank God you've told us that because, you know, you're the first person who's come in and actually been brutally honest with us, which is exactly what we need, mm. and um, you know, so you've got to you, you've got to you know you've got to allow your agencies to be brutally honest, so yeah, they can bring you the bad, and you can then all do something about it. And also, if you think about it, if the agency was so good at making something from nothing, why aren't they running their own e-commerce sites? Why aren't they building their own e-commerce sites? Because, you know, like, why not? You know, they 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 they're in there. They're in there the game. What are they doing? And I don't know. I don't know if you can tell that. I think I think you can get you. You know, it's a very different skill set yeah doing there's the a lot more things to involve and the buying and the logistics yeah. handling thousands of customers yeah. than actually knowing you know how to actually build the websites and actually scale the traffic and profitably yeah. but but i think i you know a lot of agencies are there to justify their own monthly fee which is a bit like some of the you know the seo conversation we were talking about before um you know but you know, there's a lot of crap out there. I think that, I think basically what shit. it comes down to is that a, a Google Ads agency can optimize things within a, ba- a band. So like, you know, that you, like they might be able to change the results by about thirty percent up and down. Like a bad one will be the bottom of the thirty percent, and a good one will be the top. But they can't change if you're getting like a zero point ROAS, zero point one ROAS or something like that. They can't change that into a five. It just it, they're not mm. it, they're not magic but they are you know it, it's um you know it's it's like a you know a sprinting race a 100 meter sprinting race 
the difference between the winner and the and the crappiest person is not that mass. It, you know, it's it's a distance, yeah. but it's not that massive. And the if your business is just you know like a, a rock sitting on the starter and you've got to carry it, they they can't they can't make it win. Yeah, you know, you can't so, you can't polish a yes turd. you can't polish what you're trying yeah. to say so like if there's fundamental problems there then you know the agency's not going to they're not working in the right area are they they're not given the tools no, no, so they, and if they're worth their salt they should be telling you right you can't scale this don't yeah. please don't spend any money with us yet because yeah. you're not you're not ready you haven't got this right you haven't got that right well, and that's what they should yeah. be telling you i mean you. taking it back to taking <clears throat> your money Taking it back to mum and dad's bakery shop, you know, like putting a, a kick-ass salesperson in the shop when all the products are burnt or they haven't got stock or... You the, just insulted your father. Yeah, exactly. Uh, or you, next door, yeah. there's, a, there's a new bakery that's opened that just looks like it looks got a better, better shelves and everything looks beautiful and all that kind of stuff. That salesperson should say, look, I can't do anything at the moment because the, 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 everything's burnt. Our pricing's more expensive than next door. Um, it's, they've got a better shop. They've got a, they've got a better look. They're doing better. You know, like there's all those things. That, yeah, you're just that not competitive. You just yeah. you know, just haven't gone and done the market square test. Yeah, yeah. No, so yeah, it's yeah. it's it's kind of like it's kind of like that. And wishing it on, on isn't going to happen. So um, next one, and we had a big discussion about this on the level two program the other day, and it was which you were on the other call, unfortunately, um, was about influencers and how you can waste money on influencers very easily without, without much uh, return. And there was one lady mm. in there who was getting a return on her influencer activity by about a nine row, so like 900% back. And then there was another one who said, look, we've spent thousands, hundreds of thousands on, on, uh, on influencers and pretty much got nothing back. And um, the, difference, the difference between the two was that one was using an agency to find influencers and they were doing badly. And the other one was really networking and doing it herself and building up relationships and finding which ones worked and giving them specific coupons. And then she, and she was doing it herself and with great, with great success. And I think that influencer uh, marketing is one of those things that you need to take as a core strategy um, to build the business. It's very similar to like how when you first started, when you came out of university and you started doing the odd website and doing your print business, you networked with people and found people that needed print stuff and found people that had businesses and had skills. And you built those relationships up personally. And then you started having a business and if you'd come to yeah. an agency and said, look, I'm a print guy, um, I'm do this. Uh, can you, uh, can you give me some leads? It just wouldn't have worked because they needed to know who you were, what you were trying to achieve and get into it. And well, it's like, it's like thinking it's just a tick box exercise. Yeah. Isn't it? Yeah. You know, but like SEO, oh, tick, we're doing SEO or oh, tick, tick, we're doing email. Yeah. Yeah, and then you go and look at the you know the email. And it's it's completely out of the box, standard, not adding any value, not going through the you know yeah. through the good stool. It's the same thing with the influencer strategy, isn't it? Yeah, and and what this was Susie, and what Susie was doing is she was just 
reaching out to kind of micro influencers who had already liked some of her stuff. And she was going to those people and having a conversation with them, getting to know them over a couple of months, doing something small with them, seeing if it, if it drove sales through the coupon that she specifically gave to them. And then she, then it, for the ones that did well, she leaned into them and then she built those, those ones up. And that, that's how she did. She did. Whereas the other one who was on the call, they'd gone to an, uh, an influencer agency and they were just giving them different influence to stuff. And it was, you know, like the influencers were basically um, almost kind of going, yeah, well, I'll just do the minimum I can. I mean, you saw the other, you saw the other one that was like that famous singer that on the demo store that, that, that posted on his Instagram and his story. And it, it just came through for uh, like three seconds. He didn't care. They could tell yeah. he didn't care about the brand. He didn't know what it was. And, and um, it didn't do anything. Didn't do it. anything. I mean, you know, you know, it's so this it, was this was like a I don't know who uh, whatever class I but a really famous yeah a really famous um, boy band yeah member him and his wife yeah and they did a you know they, and it, and it, it, it did do anything no you know, and you, it, you could obsess over it yeah. couldn't you so um, you can waste I think you, a I lot think of you money think, do you know what I think you I think with influence I think. You know, it's a bit of a cherry on top. If you can get the, get some sales, brilliant. Mm. But I think one of the benefits of doing it is you can get good content. You can get good content, but also it can the... work really, really well yes, when it, it works. Can. Like I, you know, I've talked to people who who've, who've wrote a small book and it's got mentioned by some influencer, and then suddenly she's like sold a million dollars worth of books. And you know, like that's the thing is that behind it all i think it's trend i think it's hitting certain trends you can you can do yeah, it but you can ride away it, yeah. it i think what happens is the influencer needs to genuinely believe in the product that they are promoting they genuinely need to have a relationship with the person that they're promoting the business needs to understand it and the influencer needs to be a genuine person who's got a genuine following rather than someone who's just in it for the game to build up um build up engagement because mm. There's a lot of smokes and mirrors out there with influencers and they've bought followers and they're not engaged. And then they're in these kind of like, um, I can't remember what they're called, like influencer groups. And they all comment on each other's posts to make them look, yeah. and look like they've got engagement. Um, and yeah, and it's um, it's a big racket. That's happened so much. Yeah, it happened so much. There's yeah. a lot of smoke and mirrors in it. And there's a lot of smoke and mirrors in, in, in everything in e-commerce. There's always some new shiny thing that's coming yeah. out. Yeah. And that's promising the world. So what Susie was doing was brilliant. She was looking to see who was engaged with yeah. her brand already. She was reaching out to them because they were interested in what she was doing. And then she built a relationship up with them. And then she, she said, well, why don't I send you some stuff and see what happens? And here's a coupon. And then if anyone got results from the coupon, then she, then she'd do more. So, I think that's brilliant. And you sure you could you can you could get an agency involved with that once you got the the you know once you got the thing that worked and you said look this is what we do this is our process I want you to go and do this for me because I haven't got time to do it. But I think it's like those kind of things without having get it started and knowing what the process is and how we work and what we do like the agency most of the time is probably not going to get that going for you. Um so yeah, I mean, it's like it's like online PR. Like a lot of online PR is rubbish, but you do find the on. Sometimes you get the online PR lady who just knows the right people and can get you some amazing coverage. 
and can drive such uh, such a huge amount of business. But it, it's again, it's kind of it's kind of one of those areas you can lose money. So I thought we'd we'd mention it. Yeah, yeah. It's also very difficult to scale consistently, isn't it, with things like that? Yeah, yeah. You know, with sort of with online PR and influencers too. It's like it's it's you know you can get a wave of traffic and then nothing. Yeah, and I think and once you like, get oh your oh my god, where's the next? Yeah, once you get yeah. your key influencers and you know they work, you'll do, you know say, well, we'll do one of these every quarter, you know, and then you've got them tiled, you've got them d- dialed in, haven't you? So every yeah. quarter we'll go and do that, and we've done that with some of our level two clients that got together and they said, well, every quarter I'll put a flyer in your orders and you put a flyer in my orders, and you know they've, they've got that, those kind of cross pollinations going on, and and it works, mm. um, and it works really well if they've got similar customers but not competing with each other, then. They can influence each other, can't they? Uh, without without really yeah. any effort, and it's win win. Um, so we've kind of talked about monthly fees for little apps a bit, and you know, like that you you know, death by a thousand cuts. We talked about yeah. it before. Yeah, I think I think generally, you know, to summarise, what we're basically saying is, there's very rarely we've seen. Well, I don't think we've ever really seen a a magic wand a magic tick box magic pill that you can just plug into your website and it's going to revolutionize your your growth yeah you know and it comes it comes really from getting the fundamental basics right if there's any magic pill if there's any magic pill it is the offer once you've done everything else right yeah the magic pill yeah is the offer architecture and 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 the offer and the reason why we say that and obviously we take talk, talk about it a lot but it, it's to give people a reason to buy now. And that the most effective way of doing that is the offer, offer yeah. architecture. Yeah. 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 So of anything, of anything that you've ever seen, heard, read, um, or considered buying or gone to speak to a consultant or a guru, the, the three fundamental things which don't cost you anything is the three-legged stool, which is three-legged stool of e-commerce, which is, I'll say it again, convincibility, desirability to buy the product in the first place, trust and credibility, and a reason to buy today, this month, this week, whatever, the offer architecture. Yeah. yeah. Get it dialed in. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Hopefully, everybody. I mean, like, hopefully, some people got some got something from that. Let us know. Um, there's nothing in the show notes this week, I don't think, for you to download. Um, but this was just an episode. All right. Thank you, Ian. Okay. Speak soon. Bye. Bye. Thanks, Mark. Bye.